You're listening to DraftKings Network. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What is that saying? I can't remember, Maze. When you say something and it feels like we've said it before, we oh, see know. something, something happens in your life. It's called, I told you so. Oh, and in French, I told you so is déjà vu. Oh. Which means you've already seen it. Yes. Déjà vu. Or in this case, you've already heard it. We told you last week. Isn't it obvious? Rudy Gobert. Coming for the number one spot, kicking Kyrie Irving to the curb. He wants to be the face of basketball Illuminati. We also told you that the Mavericks would be tanking. So obvious. And here we are. Victory lap. My favorite monkey wrench in the system that had people confused. Uh, well, if they're tanking, why is Luca playing? Right? Why did Luca play? Why did Luca start? Oh, man. And I did the digging. You can't make this up, folks. Because there was some Slovenian delegation, like a chamber of commerce or whatever, coming to Texas to further relations and explore business opportunities and tie-ins between Texas and Slovenia. And because of that, Luca felt compelled to give them 12 minutes of action so, you know, they could say they came and they saw the great Luka Doncic in action. This is the plan for Adam Silver next year. This is the plan. Every night is Slovenian night. <laughs> You just got to make sure there's different delegations and chambers of commerce coming to these games to make sure someone from Akron at the LeBron game. What would be the Kyrie equivalent to make sure Kyrie's foot heals and he can play? I would say Sage Night. Then you might not be able to see the court. Illuminati Night. and Have us come through with the live pot on the floor afterwards. Deja vu. We really nailed that one, didn't we? Look, we nailed the Dallas stuff. 
I won't lie. I thought that was low-hanging fruit, but I was surprised how many people were surprised, right? The Rudy stuff, Rudy being someone who is delusional about his place and his role in the NBA society, for that to come to fruition <laughs> four days after we posted, like, that's amazing. We're an amazing podcast, and I don't know if we get enough credit for it. What's Rudy going to do next? How do you raise the ante from here? <laughs> Talk trash? You throw a punch? Get suspended? Maybe landing the punch? Yeah. Well, I mean, he did land it. It just didn't land in the right spot. Well, Maybe he'll have some intent next time. My assignment. Uncover why the association inspires more conspiracy theories in volume and salience than any other U.S. sport. You've heard of the Illuminati. The truth is out there, but so are lies. Your eyes can deceive you. Don't trust them. The NBA has always been controlled by about eight people. Denial is the most predictable of all human responses. If you're only using 10% of your brain, you don't even know that you're using 10% of your brain. The NBA Illuminati. If coincidences are just coincidences, why do they feel so contrived? The Illuminati. But you start to follow the money, and you don't know where the f*** is going to take you. It is unspoken. They have influence among other players. The NBA I don't have time for your convenient ignorance. Maybe I'm a conspiracist now as well. That's but... all it took. Oh, we got books, we got schools. You saw a video on YouTube. <laughs> Why am I, sir? You've never used them before. We are the basketball Illuminati. <laughs> This is Basketball Illuminati. I am Tom Haberstroh, and as always, I am joined by the five-star generals and co-presidents of the Illumination. That's Mino Hassan and producer Anthony Mays. Fellas, it seems like it was yesterday. The season had started. Everyone was innocent. Players are getting punched in practice. I guess Whoa. still players are getting punched in games. Doesn't it feel like yesterday? Yeah. How far we've come, Tom, from punches behind the scenes to punches in broad daylight. <laughs> yes. The season is over. The postseason has begun. The playoffs are just around the corner. Or nigh. Playoffs? Don't talk about playoffs. You kidding me? Playoffs? We're going to talk about the MVP votes and the end of season awards. There is a soldier out there who is tracking this information as we speak, waiting for the votes. That seems so 2015. We can get these votes right now. We're going to talk to Max Cross, the famed proprietor of the MVP award tracker. He's going to be joining us on the Truth Teller segment of this show. But first... Listening to the agenda with Tom Haberstroh and Amin El Hassan. It's so obvious. Everyone has it out for Rudy Gobert. Why you gotta be so Rudy? The NBA suspended Rudy Gobert for one game. Wait a minute. It wasn't the NBA who suspended him. Yeah, it wasn't the NBA. 
It's his own team. The team was so fed up with him. The call came from inside the house. Rudy Gobert suspended by the Minnesota Timberwolves, the team that traded five players, five draft picks, including Walker Kessler. Texas Ranger. And all of the lakes included in that trade back to Salt Lake City. Even though they gave up all that, they had to witness Rudy Gobert in a timeout take a swing at Kyle Anderson. Tom, where do you want to start with this? There's so many fun wrinkles to this story. Should we go to the Chris Hine interview with Rudy about Kyle Anderson's leadership, which happened the day before the punch was thrown? Oh my God. Where he said, Kyle wants to win. Or, sorry, excuse me. Kyle, he wants to win, and sometimes he's a little aggressive in the way he talks, but I don't take it personally. I receive it in a positive way because it comes from a place of wanting me to be the best Rudy I can be and wanting us to win. I love his competitiveness, love the way he plays the game, the way he makes others around him better. He's been a huge part of this year. And then he called me a bitch. (laughs) One day later. Hey, can I feel, hey. Ewing theory a little bit? A little bit of Ewing theory? (laughs) We got Rudy Gobert. I kind of feel like if you watch that game, did the Timberwolves not come back all the way? Did they rally without their guy? Kind of feel like Ewing theory, guys. (laughs) Is it Ewing theory if we have statistical evidence that he might not make the team better when he's there. Yeah, it's funny because when you talk about Rudy Gobert, you know that he doesn't have a lot of offensive talent beyond, of course, the screen assists that the powers that be don't want Rudy Gobert to excel offensively because they don't have screen assists in the box score. But beyond that, their defense just doesn't improve nearly enough for them to pay him that kind of money, $47 million in 2026 when he's in age 33 season. If this is what he looks like now, add like a couple more years to this. And the team rallied in the second half of that game. Anthony Edwards was basically Carl Anthony Towns, Mike Conley, Jada McDaniels, and Rudy Gobert all at the same time. And he was Anthony Edwards too. So that's five. I think we have to read this Adrian tweet here because it is, I don't even know where to begin. It's art. This is museum quality tweeting. Here we go. The Timberwolves had to suspend Gobert for throwing a punch, but accepted that it was a shot to chest with no intent to injure Kyle Anderson and understood that Anderson called Gobert a bitch (laughs) repeatedly. On a night Gobert was playing hurt, sources tell ESPN. Oh, the night he was playing hurt. Oh, oh that little <laughs> kicker. <laughs> Man, they had to suspend him. Had to. So they didn't choose to. They had no choice. It had to happen. He had to be suspended. But also, let's let everybody know, you know, he played hurt. There's no way he's a bitch. On a night Gobert was playing hurt. I mean, come on, guys. Do we think Kyle Anderson isn't hurt or has some injuries out there? To be quite frank, I don't care. Right? I don't care if Kyle Anderson's hurt or not. The reality is Kyle Anderson called him a bitch, one, and two, later on, said this. I fucking love Kiss his ass way too much on town week. I mean, we can't confirm nor deny that this is authentic. Yeah, that might not be Kyle Anderson. Although he's especially saying some very on-brand things about Rudy Gobert. You got to make a decision this summer. I mean, who wants Rudy Gobert this summer? The problem is 
they're on the hook for the next three seasons on Rudy Gobert's contract, which is going to pay him 41, 43 and $46 million. Mm -hmm. Assuming he picks up that player option. They're going to try to replenish their draft picks, Mm -hmm. but what team after seeing what he did in Utah and in Minnesota is going to want to give up anything of value to get that player. I believe it was the 20th century bard, Keithophilus Sweat, better known as Keith Sweat, who once posited in melody the lyric, nobody who can take Gobert's deal. Nobody. Nobody. Nobody, Tommy. Hold on, though, guys. I'm still stuck on this tweet. <laughs> yeah, let's go back to the tweet. We zoomed right past it. So how do you throw a punch with no intent to injure? Can you explain this to me? Oh, clearly he was just brushing it back. Little love tap. Here's the thing that we know. Nobody in the league, nobody fears Rudy Gobert as a fighter. Hence, any punch that he throws could not intend to hurt because he's incapable of hurting. He's French. Wave that white flag. Oh, because he's a bitch. Got it. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't put that together. That's my fault. Two and two. Did you see Tori and Prince in that video? <laughs> Couldn't wait to make his move. Oh, man. He decked Rudy Gobert. I think he had an intent to injure them. <laughs> he put two hands in the chest, not a, hey, let's separate these two. It was, what the f are you doing, man? Two hands in Rudy Gobert's chest, and Rudy Gobert flew 30 feet. Everybody, right now, go get the visine. You're going to drop it into your third eye. I'm going to help you guys see clearly. Bloop, 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 bloop. The body language of everybody on the Timberwolves bench is what confirms the Kyle Anderson audio. They all feel this way about him. And we know by the way he talks not only about himself, but about the team and with his obvious that he's got to be someone who's pretty insufferable to be around. There is nothing in my mind that obscures what I'm seeing with my third eye. People don't like Rudy Gobert. I'm not just talking about peers from around the league, which we know every time they talk about him in scouting reports and stuff. Who can forget last year, was it Dorian Finney-Smith had himself like a 30-point game? And when asked what got into him, he said, well, I knew I was going to have a big game because Rudy was guarding me. That's <laughs> <laughs> DFS, yeah. <laughs> there is a general consensus lack of respect and that, by the way, crosses over to unrequited lack of respect because he is an amazing defensive player and he can be incredibly impactful. But the vibe around the league is guys don't f*** with him, man. They don't respect what he does. They certainly don't fear or are intimidated by him. And a lot of it comes down to the general whininess, stuff he says in press conferences about the league somehow having it out for him and his team, regardless of where he's located. It's obvious. So obvious. Of not being an all-star to the point where he wept because he didn't make the all-star game. Of making the all-star game and then promptly tanking for the rest of the season. Taking the Jazz from one of the best defensive teams to one of the worst that season, if you remember. I believe it was the 1920 season until we got cut off by the pandemic. A pandemic pandemic. (laughs) that he helped publicize. I won't say help bring about because a lot of people were sick, but he definitely helped publicize. It's word association. I mean, it's pretty easy to associate Rudy Gobert with the coronavirus because that was a landmark moment. 
We'll see. Now, here's my favorite part of the Rudy Gobert, Everybody Hates Rudy saga. So last year, we made a big, at least I did, me and Zach definitely did on the radio, made a big deal about Donovan Mitchell assisting Rudy Gobert a handful of times the entire season. And my reasoning for this is Donovan Mitchell is a dribble penetration attacking guard who gets into a lot of pick and roll action. Anyone who watches the league knows that one of the main release valves in a pick and roll between an attacking penetrating guard and a above the rim Z-axis spacer, vertical spacer, is the lob. They trap me, I just throw it up towards the rim, high in the sky, let that guy catch it. Look at Harden with Clint Capella in Houston, Trey Young with Clint Capella, Harden with Dwight Howard, Steph Curry with JaVale McGee when he was with the Warriors. Birdman on the Heat and the Nuggets. The list goes on and on. That's the one that's there for you. If all else fails, they're covering the strong side guy here on the three-point line. And I can't get the ball to the weak side corner or whatever. At very worst, I could throw it somewhere where no one could get it other than my guy. And he's going to grab it and dunk it. Tyson Chandler. There's just a long list of these bigs who play with guards. Amari Stoudemire with Steve Nash. Right, right, right. That's the play that's there. So for Donovan Mitchell to assist Rudy Gobert, how many times, Tom? Last season, in 1,198 minutes on the floor together, Donovan Mitchell assisted Rudy Gobert 39 times or once every 30 minutes. He gave him a dime. That's insane. Maybe for a game or two because they took it away. But you can't tell me that for an entire season, the number one thing that every NBA defense said we're going to take away is the Donovan to Rudy connection. You're saying there was no intent to mean? Nah, there it is. For Donovan Mitchell to average two passes a game, not two assists, two passes a game to Rudy Gobert over the entirety of a season. It was just ridiculous. No matter how much Quinn Snyder protested that, of course, no, these guys, I mean, they're not sitting at the same lunch table or whatever it was that he said, but they don't have a problem with one another. So fast forward to Minnesota. And Tom, you have a stat, I understand, of Anthony Edwards. He of the 4.4 assists per game average. He of the 45 pass per game average. The highest pass frequency of anybody on the Minnesota Timberwolves, and that includes Mike Conley. Rudy Gobert and Anthony Edwards did some research here. 1,639 minutes together across 67 games, a whopping 27 assists, Mm. 0.3 per game to Rudy Gobert in 1,600 minutes. So more games and more minutes, but fewer assists than with Donovan Mitchell last year in Utah. It's half as many assists per minute. So Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell on the floor together last year, 1,100 minutes. Donovan Mitchell would give Rudy Gobert an assist every 30 minutes. This season, Anthony Edwards feeds an assist to Rudy Gobert every 60 minutes on the floor together. That's basically two games he might get an assist to Rudy. 60 minutes between assists to Rudy Gobert. That's not 60 minutes of Anthony Edwards playing. That's 60 minutes of them playing together. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you empirical evidence 
of someone not f***ing with someone else. <laughs> so, I mean, we have all the assist passing data thanks to NBA.com, the advanced stats there. And, of course, basketball reference for the assist data. Anthony Edwards had one assist to Rudy Gobert in April in 92 minutes. And then in February, he had three. March, he had three. January had six. December had five. November had eight assists to Rudy Gobert. But something seems to be wearing thin. Maybe it's Mike Conley. Maybe it's the addition of Mike Conley bringing it into the fray. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah. I'm sure. It's Mike Conley. But there's this one stat that's really interesting to me. Anthony Edwards and Rudy Gobert on the floor together. The Timberwolves are plus 0.45 in net rating. Not a one point, not two points, 0.45 net rating. When Anthony Edwards is playing without Rudy Gobert, they're plus 2.4 net rating. Mm. Nobody believing in the Timberwolves without Rudy Gobert. 17 out of the 17 voters on ESPN when asked who's going to win that play-in game. 17 said Lakers, zero for the Timberwolves. But we'll see. The one-man team of Anthony Edwards. Can he pull it off? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You all think I'm late. Well, I'm not late. And I'm going to stay right here and fight for this lost cause, even if this room gets filled with lies like these. And the tailors and all their armies come marching into this place. Somebody will listen to me. There's no better way to overpower a trickle of doubt than with a flood of naked truth. But the complexity and the gray lie not in the truth. But what you do with the truth once you have it. What is true and right is true and right for all. You and I both know that that's just not the truth. You can't handle the truth! It's too messy. Keeps them up nice. I'm here because in the end, the truth is worth the risk. Speak a little truth and people lose their minds. I'm a grown man. You can tell me the truth. Why is it people who want the truth never believe it when they hear it? So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do something really outrageous. I'm going to tell the truth. Coming from Montana. Max, welcome to the show, dude. I've been told you're in Montana, originally Houston, part of the Dream Shake crew over there. 
our truth teller guest this week. Thanks for joining the show, man. It's surreal. Thanks so much for inviting me. Yeah, this is a really fun thing to get the opportunity to do. You're the man of the hour, Max. (laughs) You have all of the intel. You say you don't have insider intel, but we at Basketball Illuminati, we consider you a truth teller, someone who is willing to do the dirty work in the shadowy layer, the stuff that no one else wants to do or has the capability. You know what he does, Tom? He does an activity that we love and appreciate and cherish on this podcast. He connects the dots. Mm. The dots are all there. It's right. He's not like asking and getting dots that weren't available anywhere else. The dots are all there for all of us to see. But it takes someone who is astute enough to grab that magic marker and go, huh, beep, boop, bop, bop. And there's your MVP, ladies and gentlemen. That's what he does. And I appreciate that, Max. Max is the MVP award tracker. He started a spreadsheet several years ago, combing through different media materials, whether it's podcasts or columns, radio hits, and you basically spill the beans before they're spilled officially by the NBA. Last year, Jokic was announced May 11th, like a month from today, which means we probably have a pretty good idea who's going to win MVP a month ahead of time. So... Thank you for doing this intrepid reporting. Thank you for doing this service. Mm -hmm. Can you peel back the curtain and explain the origins of the MVP award tracker? Because you are filling a void that no one else has done before. Yeah, for sure. So I used to be a writer for the Dream Shade and SB Nation, Houston Rockets blog. I'm from Houston originally. Giant James Harden stan, right? Daryl Morey fan. You put it down the line. So in 2017, the NBA, through a Yahoo sports article that I think it was Ben Rohrbrock wrote, said, hey, we're changing how we do these awards. Because in the past, there was never a set number of voters, and you could never really tell who the voters were going to be. But an article came out that kind of had some guidelines in it. The NBA didn't officially say this, but it was reported on. And I looked at that, and obviously there was a really tight race between Russell Westbrook and James Harden. I really wanted James Harden to win. And I refer to it kind of like being a mad scientist, right? I was like, Mm. oh man, I'm going to do this great thing. I'm going to figure out James Harden won the MVP award. (laughs) Like a mad scientist, I was chagrined to learn that was not the outcome. But yeah, I spent probably over 100, 150 hours just like combing through all of the articles, the tweets, the podcasts, because the voting reform said that there were going to be 100 voters. So I had to figure out Who were the 100 voters? Oh, wow. Because they had just removed all of the team employees and play-by-play employees. Right. Because now the awards also had contract implications. So they reformed the process to say, hey, we're not going to let, you know, for me, like Matt Bullard, right, a former play-by-play guy for the Houston (laughs) Rockets, like he can't have a vote anymore, right? Like the sideline guys for each of the local teams can't have a vote. If you're a local radio guy, you can't have a vote anymore because a lot of those guys are also team employees. It's different from team to team. Mm -hmm. So they reformed the awards and said, we're going to give it to 100 voters. I had to try and figure out who those 100 people were and then who their votes were, right? And if possible, one through three, because that was a really tight race and Kawhi was also involved in that one. So that's kind of the origin story. I wanted James Harden to win the 2017 MVP award. After 150 hours, I found out he didn't. (laughs) Ahead of everybody else, though. Yeah. Oh, that's the other thing. That year, 2017, NBA said they were going to do an award show, Uh right? They were going to do an award show and that was going to take place in July. Yeah. Nine weeks. Yeah. It was after the season was over. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I just kind of said to myself, we can figure this out before. Why do we have to wait nine weeks? And also one of the things that I wax about a little bit on it is I'm a Rockets fan as a kid. 
One of the moments I remember was Hakeem the Dream torching David Robinson mm. the night David Robinson was given the MVP award. Mm-hmm. The Dream just went off, put on an absolute clinic. And I feel like if you give out the awards during the playoffs, there's a better narrative. Yes. It's more entertaining. If Giannis doesn't win this one, don't you kind of want a mad Giannis going into the playoffs? Perhaps against the Sixers in the conference finals. Yeah. Great narrative. And yet, because of your work, Max, we might have that (laughs) nevertheless. So that's the whole origin story there. Hey, the NBA is changing these things. It looks like we could probably figure this out. And there was an army of people that were helping me today even Mm -hmm. to crowdsource all this. You know, hey, I think I found a vote. Shout out to absolutely anyone that sent me something over the years. It's not me alone. There's dozens, hundreds of people. Most of the time, it's fans of a particular outcome, right? I'm a good friend with a lot of Serbian guys that wanted Jokic to win some MVPs now, you know? They were the number one vote finders. Right now, the Philly fans are in overtime. The Grizz fans are in overtime trying to find votes for Jaron Jackson Jr. Mm-hmm. Shout out to all the folks that are out there helping me, sending stuff. Some days I'm searching, listening to the pods triple time. Some days I'm playing judge. And sometimes I'm trying to track down whether or not, you know, the Gaston Gazette in North Carolina is still the local media vote for the Charlotte Hornets media market. <laughs> what percentage would you say of voters announce with clarity versus playing coy and close to the vest? It depends on how competitive the race is because mm-hmm. it's a question they get, right? Like if they're going to do a local radio interview or the team that they're following is playing someone that's in an awards race, right? They're going to get asked just in a regular interview. Oh, hey, do you think you Jokic is the MVP. Do you think Embiid's the MVP? So right now, not as many as you would think, but over the next two weeks, I'd bet we're probably going to find 50 or more of the 100 first place MVP votes. That's not full ballots. And for a lot of the awards, we just don't find enough votes. I don't track the all defense teams or the all rookie teams because I've learned that only single digits of reporters actually share what they voted the whole ballot for those. Right. So we will find the first place vote of probably 50% of the voting pool. Max, can you give us the stats right now that you have as of this recording? I thought Nikola Jokic might have a really good chance at winning this MVP. I thought he was a shoe in about a month ago, but I was struck at how your numbers are showing this race might be just a runaway from one of the candidates. Yeah, right now at this moment, I feel like I found 22 first place MVP votes and I've got 15 for Joel Embiid, four for Giannis and three for Jokic. Wow. Wow. So right now the race kind of looks like the question media members are asking themselves is not, is the MVP Jokic or Embiid or Giannis? The question they're asking themselves, is the MVP Embiid or Giannis or Jokic. This is an interesting thing, right? You obviously tell us the what. You could tell us who are saying these things. Do you ever tell us the why? Now, why do you think from two months ago, a month ago, a month and a half ago, where people were saying, well, Jokic is going to win three in a row to a landslide in Joel Embiid's favor? To be honest, I kind of (laughs) don't. I'm just trying to find the votes and some of the votes change, right? Like I'm not out here to judge anybody for what vote they cast or don't cast. I'm just trying to capture in real time what's going down. Jalen Rose said on ESPN pregame on Sunday, 
that he was going with Giannis. And then the next day when ballots were due, you know, he put out a Twitter video that said he's in beat. <laughs> I don't really mind the why or the how or the who. I'll leave that to everybody else. I just try and track what folks are saying. The Try and deliver the most accurate picture I can that exists because all this stuff is out there. It's just a matter of like, is it in one place? So Jalen took the steps of announcing his change of mind, right? But I have to imagine there's a subset of voters who say one thing publicly, and then when you look up the official registry that comes out after the awards are complete, you're like, wait a second, you said this all year long, and you change your vote at the last minute. What percentage do you think do that, and are there habitual <laughs> vote switchers? Like, are there people like, this guy always does this? No, I'm not going to shout anybody out as being a vote switcher. You don't have to say the name. That happens like once or twice every year, for sure. It's never been the same person over and over again. Mm -hmm. And I'll be honest, sometimes when that does happen, they're like, I am super strongly leaning towards absolutely casting my ballot, you know, and you're like, oh man, that's like a 95%, right? Yeah. <laughs> like Woj trying to announce someone's draft pick on draft night. Yeah. <laughs> Unlikely to resist Giannis as my MVP. Zeroing in on Joel Embiid. The NBA.com, they've got three folks that are voters and five days ago they did a ballot. Michael Wright was one of them and Ashburner. Mm -hmm. You read that and it's the most non-committal thing that you've ever read, right? <laughs> Joel Embiid is looking like he might be the absolute best. <laughs> they're really like trying to save it for when either they're publishing the column that says what their absolute vote is or trying to give themselves some breathing room still. So I try and account for those things as much as possible. Stephen A posted a Twitter video today of him saying Emmanuel quickly is a six man vote. The text of the tweet says probably my six man vote. Oof. The ballot was already cast yesterday, so there's no probably anymore. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll say on the habitual thing, there's definitely people that milk it. Stephen A is one that goes back and forth a whole bunch, you know, and shouts to him. He's on so many different properties and mediums and everything, right? Yeah. Like if he comes out and says it 10 days before the ballots do, I don't know how much airtime is gone all of a sudden, right? <laughs> this year, he was really strong and came out of the gate and said it's Embiid. I was surprised. But the trend I see more is folks that wait, 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 very coy about it. And then folks that are going to do the pod and give you every single thing. Yeah. You mentioned it, that Stephen A kind of came in early this year. Are there certain trends about like when you're going to get these ballots because the ballots have already been submitted to the league, but is there like a high time? I got to get extra coffee today. I got to get extra sleep because today I am just going to be nonstop recording all of these awards. So are we in it? Are we in the peak time? Yeah, we're in the thick of it right now. People are sending tips left and right. I just got a cool tip that Remy, who's one of the French voters, one of the 10 international <laughs> voters, he maybe did an Instagram live with Joel Embiid's brother and said that he's voting Embiid. <laughs> so now I've got two guys that are helping me out that both speak French who are trying to track down the Instagram live video. And again, I try and publicly source everything. We got to get that video up on Twitter somewhere so that it can be linked, right? I don't take a tip where somebody just says, that's story. Joel Embiid's brother said this on Instagram. We don't have the video of it. What a journalist. Gosh. <laughs> well, that's the thing also with all the voters, they can change their mind. I don't have a problem with it, but if they do, I just want to have it all sourced so that you can go look at the spreadsheet and arrive at your own conclusions, right? I'm putting information out there that allows people to arrive at opinions and conclusions. I'm not out here trying to declare the award is decided at any point. I was just going to ask that. Are you at some point thinking, all right, I'm ready to call it. 
Embiid's going to win the 2023 NBA MVP? No, I think there's two things. One is I don't know that I ever get enough votes for there to be statistical certainty. Mm. You can definitely project that it's over. Last year, I found 56 first place votes. 55 of them ended up being accurate. And then also for the MVP in particular, the fact that it goes five deep and that you're awarded points for second and third. Mm. I hope to find enough second and thirds that we see trends in what's happening there. Like Embiid has only appeared, I think, in third place on one ballot. So that kind of gives you a good sense that if everybody's putting him one and two, and then with other awards, right, Defensive Player of the Year right now is really spread, but it's spread between five players, which means on every ballot, two of those guys are getting left off the ballot, and there's no way for me to project with certainty how many times a player was left off the ballot, which is a donut, right? Zero points. Max, with your history of tracking these votes, have you ever been surprised by the actual outcome after you've done your research here? Has there ever been a result that went against what you're tracking indicated? Not on the MVP. That has not happened yet. Is that because it's more readily available? Yeah. It's the question that is asked and answered the most. It's just an easier one to find. I'd have to go back and look. I think in 2019, the defensive player of the year, it was really close. And the winner ultimately was not the person that I had tracked with the most first place votes. But also when you looked at that, you could tell that there wasn't certainty in that. So a lot of my research that I do, there's so many dead ends, Max. I feel like I've got a really good hypothesis and I get into the numbers and I'm like, oh, this is not actually what I thought. And I just wasted two hours of my life. I could have been with my kids. I could have been watching my favorite show. I could have been watching a movie. I could be hanging out with Amin and Maze, but instead I went down this rabbit hole and ended up nothing there. Do you have that same experience where you've got a podcast and you're like, oh, obviously they're going to talk about this. I'm going to listen to it. And then you get to the end of it and you're like, wow, I did that for nothing. No, I'm not putting anybody on blast. All here. of a means content from pre 2020. I'm not putting anybody on blast here. <laughs> not putting anybody on blast here. You listen to all that a mean podcast for no reason. Cause he never spilled the beads. You can put me on blast. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I never found an Amin MVP vote. And he was a voter for four years. I think it was. Yeah. I never found one. Definitely listened to a ton of his podcasts, interviews, TV hits, you know, anywhere that he showed up. I can assure you I've Googled Amin MVP, Amin, James Harden, Amin, Giannis. <laughs> yeah, that happens a lot. <laughs> I love the idea of like you're a detective and every time you get to the scene of the crime, he was just here, yeah. but he's gone. He disappeared into the mist. He's a phantom. Yeah, It's funny because what I always say is the NBA does not define what most valuable means. Is it the best player on the best team? Is it the player that if he didn't play on his team, his team would completely collapse? Is it the player with the best statistical line? Hey, it's whatever most valuable means to you. But I always tell people there is one part that is defined, and that's the year. Or I guess two parts because it's also regular season. The 2022-23 regular season MVP. So I hear a lot of people, including voters, say, well, he hasn't gotten it done in the playoffs. I'm like, first of all, that's not this year. That was prior years. You're going outside the scope of the award. Second of all, you're talking about a part of his playing that is not covered in the scope of this, meaning playoffs. It's not regular season. So that was the only part I would be solid about is whenever you make an argument against the guy, you can include him choking in the playoffs or in a couple of years, he's going to win a bunch of these or, or he's won enough. Yeah. All of those things are irrelevant affixations to it. 
even when it was Westbrook versus Harden. This season, they're both having great seasons. One of them is playing for a great team. One of them is doing something that we've literally not only never seen before, never thought we'd ever see before. You know, obviously it had been done by Oscar in the 60s, and this is before we realized the game had changed significantly enough where triple-doubles were just going to be a lot more prevalent. The only time I think I was definitive was the Giannis versus Harden one because I said Giannis from game one to game 82 was elite, and Harden started slow that year and then peaked at a level that was higher than whatever Giannis hit throughout the year. But I said, to me, the consistency is more valuable than having a higher peak. I do think I said that out loud. I don't remember what portion of the season I said that. It must have been late. And then you said, you're not going to get me, Max. You're not going to get me. Yeah. And then I deleted the podcast and we never posted it. (laughs) And and as it went up in flames, I laughed. Are there other Amines too, Max? Other white whales? Are there certain media members that you're like, I'm never going to get that person. Not even to waste my time trying to track this. There's definitely a ton that I see in there every year that I don't end up finding the vote for. Jeff McDonald, from San Antonio. He's normally tough to find, keeps it close to his vest. There's a couple where I never know whether they're for sure a voter, like Stefan Bondi. The New York media market has so many voters or potential voters, like people that come in and out of the pool, that sometimes some years I find a vote, but they weren't in the pool last year. So I don't include them unless I find them saying, oh yeah, I did have a ballot. And the New York Post has multiple folks that voted in the past. And then it makes it difficult for me because they'll publish a column with four writers and their picks but they don't identify if one of them has the vote. Here's my question, because they do use the 100-person panel for all-star voting. Does it change? Has it ever changed from the all-star vote to the the end-of-season vote? The answer to your question is yes, but only slightly. The last two years, 97% of the voters that were all-star starter voters were also MVP voters. Mm -hmm. So the last two years, there has been very little change in the makeup of it. The three years prior to that, it was somewhere around 90. So like seven to 10 people were dropped as voters for all-star and some were picked up. And I've also heard in the past that there's some really well-credentialed NBA reporters that don't vote on all-star. They don't want to, but they want the awards ballots. Like their place is kind of saved is what I pick up on. I'll include someone on the spreadsheet if they meet these criteria, which is they voted for this year's all-star starters. They voted for last year's MVP. They voted for last year's all-star starters. So they cast those three votes and they are still at the same publication or with the same employer that they were when they cast all three of those votes. That's how I lost mine. Yep. Yeah. I've noticed the change when folks leave a publication, their vote doesn't always go with them. I'm under the impression, obviously there are exceptions. Rachel Nichols is a great exception. No matter where Rachel's working, she's getting a vote. Maybe there was one year when she was off, but for the most part, from working at ESPN to Turner to ESPN again, to now Showtime, she's maintained a vote. I want to say, even though I don't think they've confirmed this anywhere, that they have certain spots, almost like licenses, to the outlet, not to the people. Yeah. So ESPN is always going to get a certain amount of votes. SiriusXM gets a certain amount of votes. Turner. And then there are the other guys here and there, Jeff Zilgit, or I guess The Athletic Now is one of those places that gets a certain amount of votes. I don't know if that number is set, or if it's an amoeba that can expand a little, contract a little, depending on who left. But I know for a fact that's why when I left ESPN, I didn't get a vote. And I remember saying, 
well, I still work for SiriusXM. And they were like, well, SiriusXM already has so-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so. Filled their quota. They filled their quota, exactly. It's like trying to get a liquor license. You have to wait till somebody else gives it up. I mean, I got to shout out here. Rachel Nichols did not vote last year and did not vote for the All-Star this year. So that wow. is a curious omission. Yeah, she hasn't voted since 2021, it looks like. Well, she voted in the top 75, though. Yeah, that was a different pool. Because that one included players. And then there's the whole NBA Finals MVP vote. The creme de la creme of eight voters, right? The Finals MVP voting panel is Clay Thompson and Kyrie Irving's favorite number, 11. There are no mistakes, no coincidences. The Athletic has begun to get a lot of the local media market votes as well, right? Right? Because mm, they cover yes. specific teams and there are instances where some markets like Houston, where I'm from, the Houston Chronicle, much like the New York Times and Washington Post, doesn't allow their reporters to cast votes for awards because there's financial implications with this. Going back to the 2017 article that Rohrbach wrote, and again, the NBA has never said this out loud, but the goal was that they had at least one market vote every year. And there are some years where a market has been left out. I don't know if they just like couldn't find someone that they felt well-credentialed enough to vote in that media market. And I'd shout out, this is one difference between the NBA's voting pool and the Bontemps straw poll. Because mm-hmm. if you go look at Bontemps' straw poll and what he lays out, he says in there that he gets two people from every media market to be voters. Honestly, that's probably more representative of the NBA as a whole, and I'm here for that. But at the end of the day, most of the local media markets only end up with one vote. There are some instances where there's guys that do national reporting but are based out of a city, but you know they're not reporting on the Cavs. Mm-hmm. Like Sam Amick in Sacramento, like Mark Stein in Dallas, guys like that. Yeah. Yep. Max, do you think that you're doing too good of a job that at some <laughs> point the <laughs> NBA is going to call you and say, hey, man – you're taking the wind out of our sails here. No, that's not the question. The question is, Max, have you been approached by gamblers at all? Mm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Tons of people, gamblers do come at me all the time and they're like, hey, what's with this? You know, what's with that? <laughs> I try not to give anybody any advice. Everything is publicly available. It's there for you. On the league stuff, no, I've never heard from the league on it. I'm not affiliated with anything. I'm just a dude that does this for fun right now. In the past, I did shop around to a couple outlets and was like, hey, do you guys have an interest in potentially hosting this is a thing that I do annually. And yeah, I'll be honest, one of them said, "Ah, we're not really comfortable with that because we don't know how the league would perceive it. Hmm. Because yeah, it is doing the detective work of trying to spoil these awards before the league gets the opportunity to announce them. And I think there's probably some voters out there that don't share because of that. Like I've heard in the past that some of the language the league sends, and I mean, I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, on what you got in the past that was like, hey, don't share this unless you and your editor have had a conversation. I've heard that. I've also heard random stuff. There's no way for me to verify those things. I have the email from Ernst & Young. Observe the following guidelines with casting your votes. In order to keep the results confidential, we respectfully ask that you not disclose your voting selections before the awards are announced, unless you are required to do so for editorial purposes. Mm. That doesn't sound like a, you're not allowed to. It says, hey, it would be nice if you didn't do this. And the reality is a lot of publications and outlets do. Yeah, it's good content. They get all their writers and they say, who was your MVP? Who's your rookie of the year? Who's your coach of the year? And I know ESPN would have like a graphic there. And some of those people were voters and some of them weren't, but it's out there a lot. I mean, I got one more question for you that comes with conspiracies ah. around this and everything. It's a conspiracy. What kind of gifts? 
did you get as a voter? Oh, what did teams send you? Okay, so this is a really interesting thing. Whenever Anthony Davis was up for a supermax and he needed to make an all NBA team, Brian Winhurst said, if I were Anthony Davis, I would literally pay every voter a hundred grand cash yep, or give them all a Mercedes Benz or whatever. And he said the math on that, I think he was up for like a $40 million difference in his contracts. If he makes all NBA versus a hundred grand times a hundred is 10 million. It's like, it makes all the sense in the world to do this. All right. I mean, but I'm guessing you didn't get a hundred grand. So what have you gotten? Every gift I got was terrible. It was like <laughs> a backpack that had like some notes in there or whatever. I remember one year the Blazers handed out iPads preloaded with Brandon Roy highlights. Why wasn't I a voter then? You know, it's always something that like I don't really use. It's small stuff. It's enough for you to be like, oh yeah, the team did send me that coffee mug. Milwaukee might have sent me the nicest thing, which was a nicer backpack and maybe like a hat. Okay, I give this to my dad or whatever. It was at least function. A lot of times it was stuff that like, when am I ever going to use this? The weird one was that Daryl Morey used one of my big number videos on Dwight Howard and how good he was on defense for the Rockets. Max, you'll appreciate this. And printed a book. Oh, yeah. Like you would open up the book and a screen would start playing my big number video. I'm Tom Haverstrow and you're watching the big number as a way to get votes for him, either All-Star, All-NBA or Depoy. I forget which one it was. And I remember being like, hey, man, if Dwight Howard wins this thing, shouldn't I get a cut? Come on now. You missed some scratch. You basically use my material to sway the vote. And I don't think he actually won it that year. But you mentioned, Brian, I mean, that was the thing that popped into my head was that year where they did a little cartoon video with ESPN about this. Anthony Davis could pay a half a million dollars or a million dollars to every voter to bribe them. And looking this up, and there was this report, Max, on The Week, this publication, did a story about the financial incentives of MVP voting and award voting by reporters. And Winhurst said, my policy has been, if it's a tie, I'm giving it to the guy who's getting the extra $30 million. (laughs) It's so much money. I can't believe the players themselves aren't writing every single voter a note or sending them all a gift card. Not that I endorse bribery. And he said he was getting texts from agents to try to sway his vote, to try to buy his vote. And he says in this article, if a source would hold my objective view of the league against me, we're not going to have a very long relationship. Tom, have you ever gotten the DM or the text message directly from a candidate? Because I have. Oh. Ooh. That's the first time I heard of that. I got one. I'm not going to say the guy's name because I like the guy. He's a good person or whatever. But I got the direct, hey, I mean, I saw that you're one of the voters. Literally like election season. I hope I can count on you at the ballots. A vote for me is a vote for progress. Max, was there a moment where your spreadsheet crashed because there's so many people logging into it and seeing it? Yeah, that's happening right now. It's just a Google sheet, right? It's just hosted through Google. So when it gets hit with traffic, I get a lot of messages from people that are like, yo, you haven't updated this and it's in there taking a little bit of time for it to crunch through. So yeah, yesterday and today, it's a little sticky on there because I'm just a dude. (laughs) Max, you can be honest here. 
when we're talking, were you side checking whether you got another tip? <laughs> Let's look. I'll tell you right now. Yes, it looks like Chris Broussard has said it publicly. <gasps> it looks like Shane Young has said it publicly. Okay. Zach Harper has said he submitted a ballot is what people are telling me, but not the result. Oh, this guy. Ugh. Real look at me, Louie behavior by Zach Harper announcing a ballot submission, but not announcing the picks. Look at me, Louie. Chris Mannix, it looks like somebody has told me I got to find that one. Then we're still chasing the Remy, the French voter. I got to find out if that Joel Embiid Brothers video gets posted online. And then Sam Amick said it in a podcast that I haven't gotten a chance to listen to yet. I do have a little list here. That's the backlog. He's got some work to do, guys. He's got some leads. Yeah. He's going to get the bloodhound. I kind of feel bad we're holding you back here. We'll let you get to it because you've got a lot of important journalism to do. And we're just hogging your time. People are waiting. And if you need a French source, we have one right here on this show. A translator, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. I specialize in Rudy Gobert comments, but <laughs> if you need general French translation, I'm available. Are you friends with Joel Embiid's brother? Because that's what I'm trying to track <laughs> down right now. I was going to say, I mean, it'd be pretty awkward if you were doing an Instagram live with Joel Embiid's brother and you voted for Nikola Jokic. Yeah, those are the types of things also where you're like looking at this stuff and you're like, okay, the voter didn't say it out loud. But there's absolutely no way. Actually, Kevin Harlan got me one year in 2017. He did an interview with one of the Houston radio stations, listened to it, and he did the I'm on with the local guys chopping it up. I got to tell him I love Harden and that I you know, supported Harden. That's one where then the ballots came out and it was different. I'm going to tell you right now, Kevin Harlan yep. is a master of whoever he's on with. He's going to love you up. Yeah. Me and Zach have interviewed him multiple times. Every time he's like, guys, you guys do such a great job. I enjoy listening <laughs> to everything. There's no way Kevin Harlan yeah. listens to us, man. <laughs> what a pro. Kevin Harlan is why I require the links now because he did that. <laughs> and I was like, man, it was so clear. The Kevin Harlan rule. Yeah. It was a local Houston radio interview. I didn't have a link to it anymore. I was like, man, that was clear as day. Doing the important work, Max Crows. You can find him on Twitter at C-R-O-E-S Fire, F-I-R-E Crows Fire, as in Crossfire. And then you can find the MVP tracker in a tiny URL in his bio. This is awesome. Amin, Maze, we've had now two reporters breaking news on our show, right? Yeah. Max getting the tips. And Shams. And Shams. You're basically the same as Shams Tarani. <laughs> oh, man. That's rarefied air. I need Shams's vote. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you heard this, but our friend, put that in generous quotation marks there, our friend Zach Harper over at Basketball Buds podcast on the Athletic NBA show with Jay King, Modakil, and Trevon Edwards. They shouted us out this week, said they were putting on their tinfoil hats. What? To talk about what? The Clippers maybe 
tanking their game against the Suns to try to not play the Suns, blah, blah, blah. What a weak conspiracy theory. Not up in here. So I don't want to step on the toes of our friends at Basketball Illuminati, but um, I think he does. I think it's I think it's time to put on some tinfoil hats here. I'm offended by the term tinfoil hat. Yeah. That's the exact sort of hurtful language used by the two-eye population to subjugate, marginalize, and oppress those of us with open third eyes. And I'm not gonna stand for it. Yeah, this hat is really nice. It's not made out of tinfoil. It's got the basketball Illuminati logo on it. I'm not wearing tinfoil. And you can get it at worldofsui.com. I'm just really upset. Like you said, friend, it's in quotation marks now after the tinfoil hat comment. Isn't he a producer on the show? Claims to be a producer of this podcast. Wow. But now, Zach Harper, you are excommunicado. Hey, hey, hey.